Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage in Verona, Beaver Dam, Wanakee, Oconomowoc, Menominee Falls, Appleton, and January 1st, gym number seven will be in Middleton, Wisconsin, baby. We just signed a lease today. We are going to be opening a gym right next to Kiva Sports in Middleton, Wisconsin, Ultra Jack. Uh, Ryan Groy, former Middleton Cardinal, uh, helping bring, in, bring Sports Advantage back home for him. So really excited uh, to announce that tonight. But uh, Dino, I'm with my co-host, Coach Manchi. We got a we got an electric guest tonight. We are jacked <laughs> up for this one. <clears throat> well, Brian, this is going to be awesome, and and I'm super, you know, really looking forward to that Appleton opening in January as well, because that's in right in my wheelhouse up here in the Fox yep. Valley. So, super excited about that, Brian. Well, do you know we got a, we got a strength guy on tonight. We got a strength guy. Uh, he is he is one of the pioneers in strength and conditioning in my mind. Um, he's a guy that's always up to talk. He's sharing information all the time. And that's my man, Z-double-E, Zach Evan Ash. Zach, how you doing, brother? I'm pumped. And listen, your last guest, uh, Steve, I forget his last yep. name. Steve Breitenstein. He crushed it. So there's there's pressure on me, but pressure <laughs> is a privilege. I like it. Let's <laughs> Absolutely. go, Absolutely. <baby. laughs> Zach, uh, you've been in this game for a long time. Maybe tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into strength and conditioning. Sure. Um, <clears throat> in high school, I wrestled. Uh, leading up to high school, I uh, just played soccer. My dad, uh, I'm actually an immigrant. We moved to America when I was 11 months old. So my dad's from Romania, then moved to Israel. So my mom's from Israel. So my dad wasn't really familiar with American sports, football, baseball. So um, in the 80s, you know, after work, my dad would come home. He'd take us to the park. I'd be playing uh, soccer. And, uh, you know, guys did not speak English. I remember there was, you know, Spanish guys. There was guys from like Haiti. And uh, my dad would take me to play like street ball, so to speak. Same thing with basketball. There would be pickup basketball games at the local park and uh, against grown men. And so we learned all like street ball. But what got me into the lifting and the training was my older brother uh, was very into um training that was you know always like finding a way to push himself you know he's two and a half years older than me he was buying bodybuilding magazines then he would buy the supplements then I would go with him to the mall riding our bikes and book bags to buy 10 pound weights to add and he was buying equipment and I was kind of like going into his room reading bodybuilding books bodybuilding magazines trying to learn a little bit but it didn't like nothing clicked for me Nothing. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, end of eighth grade. I still remember training, <clears throat> following a program out of Arnold's Encyclopedia, and I never stopped training. That was early June 1989, and I just, I don't know what happened, but I fell in love with training. I was so obsessed with it. I'd be reading about it at night, by day. I'd go to the um, convenience store. I would read all their magazines to the point where I remember the guy at it must have been a 7-Eleven. He put like a sign on the magazine stand and it said, this is not a library. If you want to read these magazines, you will buy them. And I was like, <laughs> I think he's talking about me because I couldn't stop reading the bodybuilding magazines. And so 
late eighth grade, my brother was uh, finishing his sophomore year. He started wrestling. <clears throat> and he comes home during wrestling season and says, I just joined the most awesome sport in the world. And I'm like, what is it? What is the sport? He's like, it's called wrestling. He's like, you fight people every day. <laughs> and so my older brother would get into a lot of fights. And I was like the complete opposite. I never got into fights. I didn't have any of that in me. And I joined wrestling freshman year and kind of like today, but maybe it was a bit like localized then. All those kids had wrestled from like sixth grade on, third grade on. I got my ass kicked every day in, to the point where I had to wrestle off to try to be on the freshman team. Today, a lot of high schools, as you guys know, don't have freshman teams. Most sports do not. Maybe baseball does, softball doesn't, wrestling doesn't, football does, you know, basketball sometimes doesn't even have a freshman team. Long story short, um, I got embarrassed every day. The whole team would watch me get pinned, pinned, and it sent me into an obsession to try to get stronger. Unfortunately, everything I did was wrong. And ironically, um, much of what kids are still trying to do today on their own, even with all this information, is as dumb or dumber than what I did in high school. I did all the pump-up work, tons of machines, high reps, forced reps, drop sets, feel the muscle, burn the muscle. No strength, no power, a lot of distance running that really beat up my knees. Um, high volume, single body part. You know, talk to a kid at a high school today. I did chest yesterday. I did chest and tries yesterday. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm a, a full-time strength coach at a high school now, going on my fifth year. I was like, when I get to this school, these kids are going to be dialed in. Baseball players will have studied Eric Cressy. Football players probably watched Elliot Hulse's old football videos. They're going to know how to train. I got to the school and all kids did was like bench until they almost decapitated themselves. <laughs> and then they curled for 30 minutes, 40 minutes and left. Not one squat was seen, not in any leg training. And so, <clears throat> you know, jumping back and forth here, I was an athlete. I was a wrestler and training the wrong way led to a lot of injuries and I trained so hard, seven days a week, 30 days in a row, but I wasn't strong. I wasn't powerful. And my uh, lack of success fired me up. And then as the internet started coming about, I started researching Russian wrestling training. And I came across Elite FTS, Louis Simmons, Dave Tate, Jim Wendler. And <clears throat> that all started when... Um, I was in my, I'd say about mid-20s, and that happened because I tore my ACL in the early days of MMA. Back then, it was called NHB, No Holds Barred Fighting. Yep. And I remember it was like, I'm going to uh, redeem myself. I'm going to start winning. And I was pretty big and pretty strong. Even though I still trained like a bodybuilder, I was more training like a power bodybuilder because I, I had learned some of the methods of the golden era bodybuilders who oftentimes would power lift or in the silver era guys like tommy kono were bodybuilders and olympic weightlifters i mean he was a gold medalist in the olympics so <clears throat> i started learning a little bit more but after i tore my acl 
it sent me down this obsessive rabbit hole. And even to this day, like you were mentioning all these gyms you're opening, I'm still obsessed about the training almost to the point where it maybe holds my business back a little bit. So sometimes I'm still like, man, I should probably be back at the college level. But I started coaching full-time strength and conditioning in 02. That's when I started my business. And I've been in that time frame, private sector always, because uh, I started my own business, garage, warehouse, gyms, um, coached at Rutgers University. And before I actually was at Rutgers, my first location was kind of close to Rutgers. So I was a volunteer strength coach for their wrestling team. They would drive to the gym. And um, so that was around 09. Then 2014, 2015, I was with Lehigh Wrestling. 2017, 2018, Rutgers Wrestling. And then four years, it's almost 2024. Yeah. 2019, I think I started at this high school. In New Jersey, full-time high school strength and conditioning is a super rare. It's very new here. So, uh, yeah, my background is really combat sports. And my injuries really inspired me to try to, I don't want to say even like, I feel like I had this conversation with my buddy Craig Fitzgerald. And I know there's he's they got football tonight. He's with the Giants. He was like, he's like, Z, man, <clears throat> coaching for you and I is not a job. He's like, it's a calling. And that is the difference. Because I was ranting to him about my <clears throat> frustrations and struggles that I still deal with. I was like, I'm not going to text you any more negative messages. He's like, hey, man, I love these messages. He's like, you're frustrated. It just means you care. And uh, so the tough thing as a coach, as I find myself a lot of times caring more than kids. And, you know, let's face it. You're a dad. Dean, are you, do you have, do you have yep. kids, Dean? I've got kids. Yes, I do. Yep. And uh, listen, I was a teenager. So I tell, I'm always like, eh, teenagers are pretty dumb. You know, what you're asking 16-year-olds and, and whatnot to make decisions that will impact the rest of their lives, the rest of their life. So it's a very, you know, tricky thing, coaching, like learning the psychology behind everything. So, but uh, maybe if you guys ask me questions, I'll stay better on track because I could. That's good. You, you guys could just stay there. <laughs> Go that was get good. No. And I could keep talking. <laughs> no, I think uh, that that's. I mean, Zach, that's the one thing that I think you and I, uh, about the two of our, our our relationship that's kind of been built, was initially built off social media, right? You saw one yes. of our posts, you know, the way our kids squat and box squat and things like that. You shot a message to me. I remember messaging Dean. I'm like, hey, I, I think I've heard of this guy. I like, you know, he's messaging me. I, obviously, we're doing something right here, you know, and so we got to talking and your passion is the thing that you know with kids and things like that is what draws me to interact with you at a high level and and a in a multiple level whether it's over the week or or whatever because at the end of the day I think there's a lot of people that are out doing this for the wrong reason now Zach let's talk about kind of the early days right I mean we all we all are pretty familiar with the fact that Westside Barbell started in Louis garage I mean that wasn't yes. really publicized until you know all this other <laughs> stuff but you know you guys like Joe DeFranco and you and, and some of the other guys are really the, the pioneers of the garage gym of the, you know, the hard, like let's, we're going to work hard. We're going to train hard. Um, but we're going to, you know, we're going to get after the kids, but we're going to love them up. Right. I mean it, you know what I mean? So maybe kind of share a little bit about what that was like then 
And then maybe a little bit of, of what you're seeing now um, yeah. with changes in that. Cause it's been 20 plus years that you've, you've been involved in that. Yeah. So the timeline would be <clears throat> 2001 or 2002. I started training athletes out of my parents' garage, which was a one car garage, super low ceilings. I would train them in the garage, in the backyard, local playground. Then 2003, my fiance and I bought our first house, two-car garage. The house had to get gutted. We revamped the garage first, and I ran my business for a year out of the two-car garage before we moved in in 2004. <clears throat> and so I was in my two-car garage until 2007. It's when I opened and rented my first warehouse. And then in that time, there was times where I'd have multiple locations. Uh, right now, I only have one location, but there's a great analogy. Eric Cressy shared it a couple of years ago. Uh, he's like, if there was a like a cage fight against my early, my early athletes from early days, Cressy sports performance versus Cressy sports performance of today, he's like, our early days guys would show up early and do like a max effort deadlift session, and then they'd enter the cage. He goes, our current day guys would have their mom call, get it scheduled. They would go come in and foam roll for 10 minutes before that, you know, <laughs> and then they would like, you know, somebody would be uh, injury defaulted. So that was like <laughs> this perfect analogy to like, back in the day, guys would like do all this work, and then they'd be like, okay, we're ready to go, no big deal. Today, What's really interesting is kids are so busy. Parents are so busy. It's like they don't even have time to train. And I'm speaking as a dad and a coach. My son is a freshman, 15, plays baseball. This weekend we were in Pennsylvania all weekend. Well, I went just Saturday. My wife was there Friday through Sunday. Sunday, my daughter had the state tennis tournament. So I was back in New Jersey. And so I'm traveling to places I've never traveled in my life, Tennessee, Georgia, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. I'm all over the place for tennis, baseball. They were in this summer, Alabama. I think they went to Kentucky while I was in Georgia. And then from Georgia went to Boston. <clears throat> and so they're so busy doing stuff. This is my saying. I've never seen so many athletes so busy doing so much stuff yet achieve so little in return. Meaning I look back to the first location and I wrote an article about this on simply faster about changes before the iPhone, like 2012, 2010, whenever that happened versus after. And so before that iPhone, um, I equate my kids to being just savages Kids showed up completely different. There were certainly kids that showed up out of shape and maybe weren't that serious, but we had a very different type of kid. Today, <clears throat> we'll have kids sign up and then they disappear for a month, two months, three months. Parents don't even, don't even realize we've discontinued their membership. Somebody emailed me the other day, um, can you cancel membership effectively? I said, we canceled membership August 1st. Because he didn't show up for, I don't know, six, seven weeks. We send emails. You don't even read the emails. You're, we send text messages. They don't respond. They don't even know what's going on. And so everybody's so busy running around that the kids are not able to just stop and get quality training. 
And, you know, travel teams and all that stuff was going on pre-2010. But there was also maybe the geography of my gym, I sometimes wonder, was central bordered North Jersey, which those kids are different. My gym is in a beach town. I'm a mile from the beach. There's a lot of distractions here. Parents here are more of the mindset of, I just want them to have fun, da, 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 or they want to retire or they would rather, you know, there's a lot of bars here. So before they're going to invest in their kid, you know, they're going to have a fancier car and just want more of a chill lifestyle. I don't come from that. And maybe it's part genetic, you know, my whole upbringing, seeing how my dad always had to like work to climb. And I remember as a kid, I remember seeing him uh, when he was laid off. I was a senior in high school. I still remember coming home and he had a briefcase open and he was on the portable phone and he was making plans with other guys for the next job. My dad was in medical, like surgical uh, manufacturing. He's an engineer. Whereas a few years ago, I saw people get laid off and they just didn't go for work for six months. Right. I, I was like, did my dad even know he would get, um, I don't know, like you get paid. Like when severance pay or yeah. whatever. Yeah. He's like, he got went home and was boom on the attack. And so <clears throat> my early gym had a lot of kids going to division one schools, whether it was football, lacrosse. We had a ton of wrestlers. That was something we were uh, known for. We don't train as many wrestlers as we once did. Our wrestlers, we had a 1,600-square-foot gym. You would, have a you would have a state champ. You'd have the kid he beat right there. You'd have another kid who never lost in high school who was a two or three or even four-time state champ. You had just savages everywhere. I mean, left, right. And if a kid didn't do the work, Somebody else was grabbing them. They wouldn't let you leave. Nobody left early. There would be this one kid. He would, uh, we'd finish. He'd take a stopwatch, wrap it around his hand, and then he'd set up stations. We called him. He actually became a coach for us, and he's a great kid, um, Ray Jazz. We we're like, oh, no, Coach Ray Jazz taking over. And he would grab kids and be like, all right, you're training with me. And it would be time, and it would be like, you're doing timed push-ups while this guy's doing timed curls. This guy's holding a sandbag. This guy's doing like med ball throws. He just created work. He created work. And our athletes were so powerful and strong. And here's the most important word, durable. Today, the, the guru nerdy coaches call it robust. Now I'm going to take you to current times, something that's really a red flag for me. And got me very concerned and, and almost disappointed. <clears throat> I'm a you know full-time strength coach at the school, as I mentioned. You obviously don't have to pay. The kids don't have to pay. It's after school. I train the in-season teams after school or football. Uh, and it's a 45-minute session. And then the next group is um, off-season teams. So this uh, year, in the first month not even the first three weeks we had a kid fracture his t-spine in a football game okay i told him i said you're a walking miracle because last year we had a kid that not not from our school but from my town got paralyzed in a football game 
I told this kid, I go, you're a walking miracle, dude. I don't even know what to say to you. That's what I tell him. Um, we had another kid dislocate his knee. Another player dislocated a shoulder. We got a torn ACL. This girl tore her other ACL in eighth grade. This girl's a sophomore. Another girl like uh, fractured her elbow. I see another girl. She's in a cast, so I think she broke her wrist. I can't, I can't even remember. Um, I has another kid, you know, quote unquote, rolled ankle. I never saw an ankle so swollen and bruised up. Another kid pulled hammy. <clears throat> and if I look at all those kids, they're either freshmen who don't have training experience, um, and they ha- so they have low training age, but they have the overuse of the sport, or it's kids that did not train in the springtime for whatever reason, a sport. Um, And then kids that come to the weight room, but they hold back so they could go to their private coach and go heavier there or hold back so they could go to the local gym, do what they want there. For example, we have kids last week when we were uh, benching, we were doing eccentrics, five seconds down, explosive up. I only saw one kid bench 225 for five. Others had a plate, a plate and a five. I mean, I really want eighth and ninth graders doing that, not JV and varsity guys doing that. <clears throat> and so what's happening today is, I'm, I'm going to repeat it because I know you have parents listening. The kids are so busy doing so much stuff, yet they're achieving so little in return. There's just way too many chefs. Here's the other thing. You and I do it as professionals. I, I hear you say it all the time. And I learned it from Dave Tate, actually. Uh, somebody was on the back in the day, the Q&A on Elite FTS. They're like, I'm a private coach. I'm reaching out to the football team. You know, everybody's always trying to train football players. Dave said, this is like 2006, <clears throat> maybe 05. He says, I would never try to just train football players. They already are in the weight room. He's like, but if you are going to train them, reach out to the coach and say, Coach Smith, I'm training one of your players, Brian Bott. Please let me know what I could do to make your job easier. What is? What do you want me to work on with him that maybe you can't get done there? And I just started calling that fill in the gaps. Yep. Oh, <clears throat> at school, what'd you do? I squat, I bench, I cleaned. What, what'd you clean? I worked up to a one rep max. We know how that probably looks. So <laughs> I was like, okay, we're cleaning today but you're going to do speed work and you're going to just do five sets of two. You benched. All right. We're going to do pull-ups and chest supported row. Um, Oh, you just did squats. All right. We're going to do split squats. We're going to do box jumps or, you know, we have, we do conjugate also. So as you know, we have so much variety. And so we fill in all the gaps. What I'm experiencing from my high school, which really disappoints me is kids will skip their team lift and go to the private coach and the private coach doesn't say, listen, I know you have a strength coach. You really should be there because last year we missed a ton of baseball players. We would have like 12 kids show up today. I had 40 to 50 show up because the coach started taking attendance. So last week when they were coming in, I, you know, see, I see kids during lunch. Hey man, I miss you. Where you been? Oh, I go to a private coach. But then I see them do things like squatting incorrectly. I see them not even know how to lap the dumbbells after they dumbbell bench. I see them not even know how to extend their arms on pull-ups. 
and it it breaks my heart because you and I are also part of like trying to move this profession forward. Yep. And so I'll see a kid squat with his head down, feet wide, knees in. You've been going to a private coach for a year. Nobody's taught you how to line up the feet, you know, the knees, the hips. Okay. What about you've been going to a private coach? You don't know how to dumbbell bench. We know one of the most elementary movements or every time you put a weight down, your back is like banana back. <clears throat> and a kid said to me today, it was kind of like, you know, I get emotional about this because it's like such a battle. And I never thought I'd be battling at the high school level. He's a freshman, struggles to do push-ups, And he said, um, I'm not going to do this last part. My parents don't want me to work too hard because they pay for me to go to this other place. So I said, and I knew he had a hard time understanding. So I wanted to make sure he wasn't taking it personally. I said, listen, during the warm-up, you struggled on push-ups. Okay. Your core is sagging. You got to get locked in. I said, how old are you? 14, 15. I'm 14. I said, okay, my son is in your grade. So I'm going to, whatever I say to you is exactly what I would say to my son. I said, if you're struggling on push-ups and you go to a private coach, should you not struggle here? Should you not do your best? What's going to help you get better? I said, you're here twice a week for 45 minutes. What do you think? Work hard or skip it? He's like, work hard. And then I, I hate having to like say to the kids stuff like, I coached at this college. Like, it's like they don't trust you. It's very strange. So this has been, this month at my school has been almost like a heartbreaking month for me because I've seen more injuries in three weeks than I've seen collectively in three years. And I'm seeing kids like saving for the next thing, or I'm waiting to go hard at this next place. And to me, as a private strength and conditioning coach, um, I remember a kid came to our gym, football player. We don't train too many football players because they train with the team. But he came one day at the four o'clock group. And I said, why are you here at four? Don't you have a lift after school? Yeah, yeah, but it's no big deal. It doesn't matter. I said, actually, it does matter because I don't want to be known as the guy that's dividing the team. Yeah. Okay. So you need to go there. And then when you come here, you just tell the coach, here's what we did. We will put together plan B for you. We will fill in the gaps and uh, I'll lose money first. I'm not going to say, oh yeah, come here. Your coach doesn't know what he's doing. You know what I tell our kids who are experienced? Help. Teach those kids how to clean. Show them how to front squat. Your coach wants to visit here? Doors open. Anytime. How many coaches have had, I don't know how many sport coaches have visited you. You have more gyms than me, but it happens once every few years. And it's free. Like you could come and learn. If I had that available to me, especially like when I coached wrestling, if I used to go to the high school after I was done practicing and drill with the head coach and he'd say, okay, show me how you teach the cradle. All right. Tweak it like this. What do you do with this move? He's like, all right, try this. I built him the feeder system. I wasn't like, don't tell me what to do. I was like, hells yeah. I want to learn, get me better. I, you know, to me, that's, I don't know if that's ego or laziness, to be honest. That's my concern. Zach, you mentioned earlier, you know, we talk about a lot of times as strength conditioning coaches, we want it more than the athlete wants it. 
So yeah. when you're around that situation, what do you do to foster an environment and to really try to motivate that athlete to just get out of their comfort zone and work hard? There's a couple of things with the contact slash combative sports like football and uh, wrestling. <clears throat> I say this to the parents and I say it to the kids all the time. My number one job is to protect you. And the kids are probably tired here. I go, how do I protect you? Get us stronger. Put on body armor, build muscle, make us more powerful, build confidence through preparation. But some kids don't care if they're not starting there. And so they don't care if they're on the sideline. So I, I'm struggling to connect with that. My advice is if you're here, be all in. How do I motivate kids? What I'm trying to do, and I when I find when it gets better is when, you know, you've all seen the, the best teams are not coach-led, they're player-led. Well, <clears throat> today I told the football team, you guys warm each other up. You create the warm-up. You want to talk over each other instead of listen? Go ahead. That's up to you. So I'm, I don't know if I'm motivating, but it's more teaching accountability and responsibility. And I found myself closing out all the time. And sometimes, you know, you see all these football speeches and I say to myself, how many speeches do these kids need before it doesn't even mean anything to them? And so I was speaking with a uh, high school strength coach, Scotty Fearson in Indiana, and he has a podcast called Caffeinated Coaches. And in it, he said, this is not my, I'm, I'm not on that team. This is their team. This is their program. This is theirs. He's like, so I don't close out ever. And I was like, oh, man, I got away from that. I got away from letting the kids do it. And sometimes their closeouts kind of stink. Like they don't have any public, right. spe not public speaking skills. They, they'll say stuff like keep showing up. And it's like, yo, of course we're going to keep showing up. Your coach has it on the schedule. It's in season. But they learn that way. And it's almost like what Buddy Morris said about kids. You want them to be athletic? Stop saving your kid. Let him fall. So okay. I have to let them let them kind of create, let them close out. And if it's not that good, it's up to them to be better. Oh, you lead the warm up. Warm up not that good, up to you to make it better. Dean, so I'm you guys, trying to let them lead more. Dean, you guys do that, Kimberly, too, even in your classes, right? The kids, the kids lead the RPR and everything that to learn it, right? Yep. A good, a good, a good class should run itself. We set the tone and the expectations, and then they got to raise. My know, friend said that. Craig Fitzgerald coaches for the Giants, and he's yep. been at a lot of major programs. I Listen, I mentioned Coach Fitz. You know, you ever mention somebody's name and it makes you want to get better? That's how Coach Fitz is. I think about him and I want to be better. So was I he told Penn State? Him he was at he, Penn State, right? He was at Penn State. He's nuts. He, what's he's, that? Yeah, he's out there like in 30 degrees with his shirt off. Sure, and, he took his like shirt. doing up-downs and stuff like that. I mean, he's, so, yeah. he's so hyped up. When yeah. I call him, I always say, Am I speaking with Craig Fitzgerald or Coach Fitz? Because I just want to be mentally prepared <laughs> for how intense the conversation's going to yeah. get. So yeah. um, he says to me, uh, well, I told him, I go, man, these kids don't stop talking. I'm going over the workout on the whiteboard and they can't shut up. He's like, how long are you in front of the whiteboard for? I'm like, 90 seconds. He's like, too long. I go, what? He's like, listen, you're in high school, bro. He's like, get them tired first. He's like, put them on the ladders, do some military stuff, jumping jacks, squat jumps, get them sweaty. 
get him in front of the whiteboard for 30 seconds. And you know where he said he learned it? I think it it happened to him when he was with the Houston Texans. He's like, I'm going over to work out. And he's like, these grown men are talking and not listening to me. And I think maybe I'm getting a team wrong, but I think he said it was there that the head coach said, bro, 30 seconds and get him going. Because yeah. the NFL guys are just, you know, big kids. So I, when he said that, a lot of times I just say to them, there it is, guys. And I break it up because of the large numbers. Could be like 60 kids, 90 kids in the summer. I do um, like three exercises, three exercises. 1A, B, C, 2A, 2B, C. Upperclassmen, underclassmen, or freshmen here. 15 minutes, switch. You get three water breaks in a 45-minute period. And I'll let him go. Sometimes I got to pull him in, you know, sometimes I got to pull him in. But today, like I was like, man, I'm telling kids to, I keep saying this one kid, bro, you've done like 20 sets of talking and two sets of squats, <laughs> you know? And so one of the kids cursed at him and told him the, you know, STFU. And I was like, guess what? Sometimes you guys need to start doing that. Kids yeah. don't say that to each other. And when I asked our head football coach, why were the teams back in the day winning? Because this school won a lot of state champs, ranked number one. He's like, because if somebody did something wrong, the other guy said, get the F on the line, sprint. Yep. They made them work. They built it. Now it's always coaches telling kids. Kids go to so many coaches. Like You could be like, hey, did you bring your water today? I didn't know I needed water. Yeah. You did like. So they're, I'm trying to give them the power, but what I struggle with, <clears throat> and Rama Kifri said I would struggle with it because I spent so much time private sector. He says, you're going to struggle with um, people telling you what to do, answering to people. And then the thing I struggle with is, uh, you know, I'm so, I was so used to the elite nature of the kids I've trained. Um, this Thursday, I was at Cornell working with their um, regional wrestling team. That's the guys prepping for Olympics. And I was like, man, the hardest thing you do there is turn the lights on. Do this, do that. They're like the Terminator. Boom, boom. And it reminded me, <clears throat> long time, 09, Blair Wrestling Academy, number one team in the country. I was a volunteer. I'd go up and help them out. The coach brings them to the gym. It's like an hour and 20 minutes away, maybe an hour and a half. Brings them to my gym. Wednesdays, they have half day. A friend of mine recorded it back in the day, flip cam. My friend was um, in professional baseball. He recorded them training. And at the end, he was like at a loss for words. He had never seen such relentless work ethic. They came in and just attacked everything. There was no... There was not a word said, and I, I miss that elite, you know, aggressive aggressiveness. But you and I know Brian, like coming from the college sector. If you want to be around that, then you pay the price of not seeing your family. Your family, yeah. So you're paying, you know, your trade, you're trading things that you know. Right now is certainly not my time to be selfish about it. I got two kids in high school. If I'm in college, I'll miss all of their stuff or 90% of their stuff. I remember when Blair came in, I set up like sandbags from 50 pounds to 150 pounds. There was like eight of them. They had to go around the circle. One, 
one. Then you had to go and do pull-ups, clapping push-ups, sprint around the gym next door. It was like, if I said, run through the brick wall, you know, they would have done anything. My friend didn't even know what to say. He's like, guys, I've been around sports and pro sports. I've never seen anybody work like that. But for me, I had seen that and I'd been around it. The underground strength gym always stood for that work ethic, that grit and that toughness. And ironically, uh, two years ago, I created my a new certification. Okay. Kind of to like change with the times, all the speed training, all the plyometrics, all the med ball throws and the more athletic stuff. And I just said to somebody the past few weeks, I'm like, I feel like the older training that I used to do is needed more because these kids are constantly hurt. Zero durability. We have kids hurt before there's even a scrimmage, right? which means they can't handle summer practice, which is not hard. It's just install. They don't even have like pads on. How are you hurt? I'll tell you how you're hurt. You're, you're training fancy that does not build the body. It looks great on Instagram, but it does not develop a durable, powerful athlete. That's what we're missing. So Zach, talking kind of about the, the underground strength room a little bit, and I mean, things have changed, right? And you talked about the iPhone um, and things like that. And now, you know, building a brand, you know, with your business is ultra important using social media, using YouTube, using all those things. When do you think that really changed? Because, you know, at the end of the day now, you know, from our perspective and, and what we do, the, the, the way we do our, our social media is it's education. Like I'm not trying to promote our gyms. We're trying to educate. So I want parents when they walk in our gym to know what their kids are going to do, know what our culture is, know all those other things. That's how we use it. When do you think, you know, cause you've been in the private sector a lot longer than I have. When do you think that really changed? I mean, a guy like, I mean, you have a great social media following, obviously, you know, I mean, Joe has a huge social media following. Like when, like, when do you think all that really changed and in, in, in the value of it now? I mean, it's this huge yeah. value of it, yeah. obviously, but. When the iPhone technically became right. a computer, when it spent right. more time in people's hands. I mean, you go out to dinner with your wife and there's other couples not even talking to each other. <clears throat> They're staring at their phone. Gary Vaynerchuk is like, I don't care. He's like, I'm happy for them because that makes them happy. Um, but I have my boots on the ground around teenagers, you know, for over 20 years now. So I've seen what it does. <clears throat> and, you know, we're just, I think we're seeing the de-evolution of the athlete, the decline of a lot of social skills, and people judge you by what they see on your social media. And I still remember a lot of parents saying things like, I've been following you for six months or years. And what it says to me is, it's interesting how long it takes for somebody to jump the gun. But people are judging you by these little bits and pieces they see. So they're only really scratching the surface, right? People still say things to me like, oh, you just train wrestlers. Really? Our videos are like loaded with lacrosse baseball, basketball, football, swimmers. How are we still just training wrestlers? That's like, we never just trained wrestlers, but still people will say those things. But here's the other thing. You know how many people don't know what I do? For example, the, you know, I'm at 
this high school. We have a new wrestling coach. And he's telling me, basically, I don't think my the wrestling team is going to train with you anymore. He's like, I think I'll go in the weight room after we're done with practice to do a plate workout. So somebody was like, dude, does he not know that you're the guy when it comes to training wrestlers? So you think people know, but I, I feel that there's so much noise now that <clears throat> you're just trying to get them to if, – if I look at your Instagram, what I know is that my kid – no matter where they are at whatever gym I go to of sport, whatever location of sports advantage, the technique looks the same everywhere. Nobody's got a round back. Everybody's jumping, sprinting proper, but I'm a coach. So I understand technique. Appreciate that coming from you. That's, I, that means a lot. I think a lot of parents don't know what they're watching. They yeah. don't know. Like think about it. That kid who could barely do five pushups, his parents told him not to work too hard with me. So, but that's actually the norm. But, you know, I know Gary V says this. He's like, you never know who's watching. You never know if you're, you have 14 followers, but one of them is, you know, the owner of, I don't know, uh, you know, whatever, name a pro team. He's like, you don't know who, who that's going to happen. Like that dude, Coach Cav, um, Justin Cavanaugh. I think, um, one of those big pro rep, maybe it was not Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, well, Goldberg. Goldberg yeah. was watching his YouTube videos and was like, dude, I'm, I need you out here in Texas to train my son. And I'll fly. fly. So you'd never know. So um, I think you got to keep putting out quality info. I don't like to do it a lot, but like here, I see my phone going off. Our rule, <clears throat> not a rule, but I tell my coaches, hey, send me one photo or one video every day so I could share it because you never know when somebody's look new, so, you know, they're not scrolling back and um, you just keep putting, you just keep putting your work out there. Although I think you have the flip side. Um, I did a podcast with Andy Baker in Texas. He's a starting strength guy, trains adults. He shares his gym with another guy. And Andy goes in from like 5 a.m. till 10 a.m. or 12 noon. The other guy comes in at like 3 p.m. till 7 or 8. No website, <clears throat> no nothing, just an email. And he's packed with athletes. Word of mouth. So I think it always depends on your geography. I actually thought having a gym in this, I'm in a town that's less than two square miles. I've been here 11 years. I mean, we usually hover around 70 athletes, 60, 70, summertime, 75, 80. I mean, I don't think we've ever had more than 10% of our kids come from this town and you could ride your bike or walk to the gym. So I think the location and where you are is important. Like when I went to Cornell Thursday, any of their New Jersey wrestlers were all North Jersey. North Jersey has a different vibe than being by the beach. North Jersey is hustle. You're near Manhattan. Um, you have a lot of uh, high-level private schools. You also have high-level, very – North Jersey football is very competitive. And, and I just – I pay attention to those little things. Oh, all these kids are from that same pocket in North Jersey. And there's like five of them, but they're all killers. Zach, talk about balancing all this. You got your own private gym, then you go to a high school, you work there. 
help out that program. You just wrote a book. So, <laughs> you know, how do you how do you do all this? And and you're married and you got kids. No, normally I don't do anything at night, so I felt bad asking you guys to do this, but my daughter had a tennis match. And then after the tennis match, I went to my gym to meet a small, there's a small college about 25 minutes away that has an exercise science program. And I was talking with them about creating an advisory board and being on their advisory board and getting interns. So I met them at 5.30. But uh, I'm only at my gym now on Wednesdays. So I'm getting out of my school at 4 p.m. And uh, I come home. Or I go straight to something with my daughter's tennis or my son's baseball or basketball or family time. So pretty much by dinner time, I shut it down. Certainly sometimes I come down here at night to work. I wake up early and usually to get like an hour to 90 minutes of work before anybody wakes up. Uh, it just got slightly easier because my daughter just got her license. So now she drives to tennis, <clears throat> which really saves us. But I woke up today at 5.30, and last night I put the chicken in the fridge marinating. I pack, I make, I'm like really big on the morning. That was actually one of my, that's what got me to quit my teaching job the first time. I just wanted to have breakfast with my family because I would wake up <clears throat> and work, and then I would go to work at the school. On my lunch break, I'd work, then I'd go open my gym. And then when I was done coaching, I would lift. And so by the time I left for school, my wife and daughter were not awake yet. And then by the time I came home, they were in bed and it was killing me. And my daughter was a baby. And I remember I paid uh, Gary Vaynerchuk um, a consultation. I was going to pay him 10 grand. And somehow it came out to $3,000 for the hour. And he's like, what is your big goal? And I still have the notes somewhere. What is your big goal? You know, he was waiting for me to say a million dollars and 10 gyms. I was like, I just want to, um, <clears throat> I want to run my business, you know, not teach. I was like, I want to have breakfast with my family. He's like, that's it. <laughs> you know, and, and by the way, he was like, dude, why don't you, why don't you get your gym out of Edison, go to North Jersey, where he knew is a lot of money in North Jersey very affluent. He's like, I just trained a bunch of house moms. I was like, dude, I'm not training adults. I train athletes. That's what I do. I'm not a sellout. I told him I'm not selling out. I don't <laughs> care. I train athletes. That's what I do. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. He's like, that's to meet your, to get to your um, money goal. He's like, you got to train rich housewives. I didn't really understand the ge the power of geography back then. You know, I have friends that run gyms in North Jersey. People make so much money in North Jersey when they work in Manhattan. Like, it's just way it, it, they have their second home is in my town. And a home in my town is a cape costs you like 1.1 million. That's their second house. So <clears throat> up there to have kids in, you know, private baseball, private training, it's nothing to them. It's nothing. Down here, it's just people kind of conserve their money differently. But I'd say I'm getting better at balance. Um, there's no such thing as real balance, but we do get a lot of quality family time. Of course, as the kids got older with the sports, those family times are on the road. We are together 
yep. at the baseball tournaments. We are together at the tennis tournaments, and then we make something out of it. We make a weekend out of it or an extended weekend out of it. Because here I am, I'm I'm not I'm 48 in a few months, and my daughter's a junior. My son's a freshman. Like, you know, you guys Great. know you got kids. It's like, whoa, I remember you were born like a minute ago. So I got very good at always knowing I need a team, even though I hate, you know, trying to manage anything. I turn everybody into their own manager. I say, when you're here, you run the gym. And at, we don't hold meetings because everybody's part time. But what we do at the end of the night is you send an audio text message. Just for like a quick update. Hey, I trained Dean. Dean tweaked his shoulder pitching. So we didn't go overhead. We did band pulls. We, you know, this way the next person has continuity. It's That's a awesome. three or four minute audio message. I'm a big fan of simplifying. That just matches my personality. I don't like to complicate it, even if everybody else is doing it. I spoke with my buddy today, Matty Nickel. He's up in um, Canada, trains with a lot of pro hockey players. And I was talking to him about all the like the injuries. And I said, what's crazy is everybody still wants to do this fancy stuff. He's like, hey, bro, when they zig, you zag, be you. He's like, keep being, keep doing the underground strength gym. And so sometimes a friend will remind me and say, yo, live your truth. Stick, stick to your guns. So we do get a lot of family time. Right now, I'm only coaching at my private facility Wednesdays. Um, I do have a coach that is probably going to be in the police academy soon. He's been with me seven years. So my other coach will pick up those days, probably won't pick up all of them. So I'll probably be back on twice a week. And <clears throat> kind of like what we said earlier is, uh, you know, when I was at college, even though I was just with wrestling, um, our matches in the Big Ten is Friday and Sunday. And so I'm there. Uh, quite a lot, even with just one team. And I remember during this town as like a midwinter break, I couldn't take those vacations. I remember I took a summer vacation and the, uh, the uh, director was like, Hey, hope you're having fun on vacation. And I'm like, it's August. I've been destroying our guys. They need a vacation for me. Right. So chill out. You know, the place is not going to burn down. So we're always trading one, you know, the grass is not always greener. At my school, nobody's really telling me what to do, although it's still actually a struggle to get the coaches to trust. It's a struggle to get the coaches to even stop in the weight room and see what their kids are doing. And so what I'm trying to do as I've gotten older is to just be wiser and to learn to um, handle things better. The toughest thing, in my opinion, is I can't shut off the passion button. I'm just fired up about it all the time because I want to see kids succeed because I know what happens when they're given the right direction with nutrition, with lifestyle, with decision making. You know, this is all a vehicle for a better human because we know not many of them are going to compete in college. But I know that if when I'm talking, you could listen or you could work hard or be a great teammate or lead this group into a warm up or take them through the workout. You could lead outside of here. And so I'm just trying to give them the best opportunity. I'm trying to give them everything that guys our age 
didn't have because that information wasn't out there. They are, um, there was a, a book by uh, Ed, I'm forgetting his name, but it was called Time Collapsing, where he's like, I'm teaching you things. So instead of it taking you 10 years, you can collect, condense it to 10 weeks and just skyrocket the success. That's what we're trying to do. Zach, so now you've been around this profession for 25, 30 years, right? So I'm going to yeah. kind of put you on the spot here, okay? Um, no pressure. You, I love it. You, you're, you're in tune with a lot of different people, a lot of different entities across, across the world. So I'm going to give you five people that you can pick from, that our listeners, that there are five people that you think our listeners should be watching, following, getting information from because they're putting out quality content. Because I, you know, I, you know, we're all, all three of us are by the growth mindset, right? We're always looking for, you know, give me five. All right. Can I look at my phone for the podcast that I listen to? You can. You you don't have to say sports advantage. Don't worry about it. Everybody got that. (laughs) It's right there, baby. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Let me pull up the shows. Okay. Well, I love Dave Tate's table talk. I actually just asked people on Twitter. I want some like under the radar podcast that people aren't listening to. <clears throat> I think that's a great one. Um, my buddy, John Wellborn. I love him at power athlete. Joe DeSena. If you could just read his books, Google, listen to anything about Joe DeSena. One that's really under the radar is um, Steve from uh, voodoo power, or it's called like more plate plates and pancakes steve is on a farm he's like a uh a cowboy who's also doing strength and conditioning oh that's amazing so did i give you four that's four and and man of course somebody's gonna feel left out but like i just look at all my books here you know you mentioned louis simmons all the time if you're not learning from louis i i don't even know what to tell you i would call louis every week we'd be on the phone and he would, you know, just share. And that's maybe why I understood him. Because if you listen to me, I went from right to left to forwards and 10 years back, he talks in stories. And that just makes sense to me to learn from somebody who's saying, Hey, Louie, how do you train wrestlers? Well, I I just trained three wrestlers and they're all, you know, they're this (laughs) weight and that weight. I remember him telling me training these three wrestlers that all weighed like 106 pounds. And he told me one from bench 205. And I'm like, whoa, I got a kid in my garage who weighs 185 and can't bench 205. You got a kid that weighs 105. And then he's telling me about slamming medicine balls for five minutes, training Kevin Randleman, you know, back in the early days. And just, I, I look, you know, uh, Louie, and I, of course, I love all his old stuff. And um, I got books piled high around you guys i mean those are five but then there's a lot of books that i think you should read that people don't know about like marty gallagher's purposeful primitive is this did you ever read that book Uh oh my god it's amazing yeah marty gallagher's books and his old podcast amazing old stuff from pavel and even new stuff i love it johnny parker the system but you know what you got to do? Call Johnny Parker. Oh, my God. Get him on the message him on Facebook. Get him on the podcast. Thank me later. Awesome. Like, he makes you want to be 
better at life. He makes you a better coach. He said, good coaches coach weights. Great coaches coach people. And I got to put that to remind me. Um, I love that. I love that quote. I love the old books. You know, I got super squats. I got Bill Starr's starting strength. You know, these old books, The Way to Live, George Hackenschmidt. I have, I love these old books. These are books from, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. Those to me, you know, that's who paved the way before us. And everything was so beautiful because of the basics. It reminds me when I was in high school, the football team won three state titles. All they did was bench, squat, and I don't recall. I remember vividly seeing guys only squat halfway down, but they squatted heavy. They did press behind the neck, saw them do a lot of curls. We had the old universal machine, so they did push downs, but they did everything together as a team. After a football game, you'd go to McDonald's. There was like 80 football players there. They were a family. Where one was, the other was. And so I, I, they, I feel like they were following the old strength training books, the get big drinks. Strength coaches need to read that stuff. They need to read. I think they've gotten so fancy. But look, I learn also from current day. Like I just messaged Cal Dietz looking at all these books. But those five and then the five old ones, you know, Bill Starr, Old York Barbell, Bob Hoffman books. I have a great podcast they should watch called Iron Roots. It's on my YouTube. It's all of the old stuff they should learn. And that should be like staff development, professional development for the coaching staff. It's video. They'll love it. It's a lesson from like a book or an exercise program that usually dates back to most of them were from like 70s, 60s. Yeah. Zach, as you know, you know, Get Your Edge podcast, we ask every one of our guests what their Get Your Edge advice would be. So you're on. Get Your edges every day. Do your honest best so that you could look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself and gave my absolute best. But if you're a coach or a father or a husband, can you go back and face the people you love the most and tell them what you did that day? And would they be proud of you? That to me would be how you get your edge. Can I tell my kids how I worked, the effort I gave? Um, Would they be proud of me for those actions? To me, that's everything. That's why my books are dedicated to my uh, kids, my son and daughter, and my grandfather. My grandfather um, escaped the Holocaust, you know, his uh, my first and middle name are named after his two brothers. He lost in the Holocaust. My grandfather was in the Polish army, the Russian army, and then the Israeli army in the special forces, Israeli army. It was, it was before the IDF, the Israeli defense force. So whenever I'm having like a hard day, tough time, I ask myself, like, are you walking across the country, escaping Holocaust to the next military you need to join? Like how hard is life? And, you know, I just try to make him proud and my kids. So because if I can make them proud, then I'm like, then I'm doing good. And that to me is the most important edge you can have, you know, honesty to self and with your family the, or whoever you love the most. Zach, this has been absolutely awesome. I mean, I, you know, the passion is is so transparent, you know, through your voice, through 
through the way you do things. Um, you know, obviously family is such an important part for you, um, but also giving to the athletes that, that you serve and provide and wanting the best for them. And we all know as coaches that wanting the best for the kids doesn't always mean what they want. Yes. You know I mean, and, and that's what's a, being a great coach is, is you have to know and believe what's best for the kids, whether they agree with it or not. And you have to stand firm on, on what you believe. Do you know any more thoughts for Zach before we uh, hop off? No, appreciate you coming on, Zach. It's it's later at night and everything's probably calmed down at your household. And uh, this has been an awesome podcast. Hey. And Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being on. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Well, Z, at, at some point, I got to come out to New Jersey. We've talked about I that. I got to come out to you, too. Yeah, bro. either way, both. Both. Get you out here for a Badger game or something or Packers. Oh. Are you guys about to watch uh, some, some uh, NFL Monday football? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel bad yeah, for my I boy would... Fitz. The Giants are struggling. Yeah. He's such a great guy. He's awesome. Well, I tell you what, the, the Zach Wilson, he played his tail off last night. I thought he was great for the Jets. For the Jets. And that then was they a great lost. game. What did, I didn't watch the end. How did they lose? Was it overtime? Was it? Uh, they, they The Chiefs just got like three or four third downs and, and kind of ran the clock out. He fumbled a snap that, you know, it's just, I don't know. I thought he played really well. It was it was fun to watch. The defense couldn't get off the field. I think the Chiefs had the ball for eight minutes, and Jeff you know, of course, all the time. course it was great it's though because you know because my wife's all into it now. That Taylor Swift's on, and right, she's Brian Reynolds is like her favorite actor, and so she was all yeah. in the game last night. So that was yeah. we had some good quality time watching watching. Yeah. Sunday night I never watched football. I've been watching it a bit now, and it's cool. I don't yeah. know, I, you know, I I. I I like to watch it and try to figure out the game coming from wrestling. It's I'm trying to just yeah. make sense of it all. Well, it'll be interesting. I hope it'll be interesting if, if Travis Kelsey and her break up because those jerseys will go right in the trash. All those Swifties, they'll be burning his jerseys left and right. Dude, that Anyways, we're going to leave with that. We'll see you next time on a get your edge podcast. Chop it. <laughs>